This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me You not gonna do nothing, you are not above me I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know What is poppin' everybody? And welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Well, you know, it's me and my only friends, which includes, but is not limited to, my boy Hunt. What's poppin', baby? Doing well, Conrad. How you doing? I'm chillin'. Just another day in the life, you know. <clears throat> Excellent. How was your Halloween? Uh, it was pretty uneventful, but oh. I, uh, I did hang out and watch, uh, I watched The Shining. Okay. Oh, you did. What's the name of the hotel? <laughs> the Overlook Hotel. There you go. Nice. He would have well got five sir. points. <laughs> yeah. I think Hunt would have done better than all of us on yesterday's. How did I not? Episode? I don't know. Yeah. I, I I watched it this morning, and there was some stuff which I would have got close. Like I wouldn't have got that. Like Ireland was the origin of Halloween. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I don't think I would have done that well. Okay. You wouldn't have got turnips. No, definitely not. I, I would have said potatoes. Whoever said potatoes, I said the same thing, and I was wrong. Could you imagine carving a turnip like into a jack-o'-lantern? This seems like very meticulous well, work. This is, this is the way it used to be done, apparently. <laughs> it's like whittling, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. I remember when I was younger, I found like a, a kitchen knife, and I used it on a stick to make like a pointier stick. Like this is this was childhood. That's mm -hmm. like the episode of uh, Office where he's like, he's like, "What are you doing? I'm making a knife? You're making a knife with a knife? <laughs> what other way would I do it?" <laughs> I have to apologize to Mr. Hunt. Um, I forgot to put your underdog pick on our scoreboard, so you are officially at a hundred percent. Although I feel like we shouldn't yeah. throw you up on the scoreboard until he's got like five. Yeah, let's wow. be, maybe three or four. Yeah. You guys, he's got time. You do realize there's like six empty spots on the scoreboard. <laughs> but they're not 100%. Like, oh, 100%, right. I'm going to I'm gonna have to boot one of our, uh, one of our chat. Our people. esteemed wow. guests. Don't worry, Efro. You're, 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 you're going to be all right. Wow, Efro. You see, Guapo got respect for you. Unlike Man. some. No, it's uh, true, though. Like, having an 100% is so strong. Mm -hmm. You need to earn the 100%. Yeah, I, I just remembered I get, if I want... To, well, this I guess applies to Conrad too. If we want to pick anybody from the Steelers game, we got to pick them tonight cause, or tomorrow because the game's tomorrow. Ooh. Yeah. Who do they play? Titans at home. Ooh. Yep. yep. Is, is, uh, Can't wait. Will, Will Levis, he's, uh, he's all the hype right now. The quarterback for the backup quarterback for, uh, the Titans. He threw four touchdown passes. He's gonna find out though. He played. Tan he played. He played Atlanta. He didn't play the Steelers defense. Tannehill so. got hurt. Uh, Tannehill's been hurt. Yeah. And Pickett is going to be there or no? Uh, Pickett said he's going to play. We will see. I Listen, don't know. Let me tell you something right now. <laughs> Najee under? If yes, Najee under. <laughs> Put it on the board. But if, <laughs> if Tannehill was to come back next week. Mm -hmm. This week or next, next week? Next week. Because the things Will <laughs> Levis is going to do to your Steelers tonight. Tomorrow all, night. Tomorrow night, it's going to be a beautiful Beautiful. It is. You mean thing. you mean throw four picks? That would be beautiful. Yeah. No, sir. Yeah, might as well do that. No. He had four touchdowns uh, last week. Four Listen picks this week. Evens right. out. I, I couldn't. I couldn't reply to Guapo talking about my picks because Bucky was fixing my mic for like five minutes. Like, okay, <laughs> you're I, back. Uh, my 
status as forever champ will not be questioned. <laughs> I have a hundred percent record. Mm -hmm. I will be the permanent champion of Weekend Warrior. No, we're gonna need you to call in on Friday. Right. I can do that. I can give you Premier League picks every weekend. Okay. Just don't ask me to pick a sport that exists in this country. As long yeah. as Premier League is going on during the NFL season. Yeah, it, it matches up pretty well. Premier League is like August through May. So you're in. It's yeah. There we go. I'll do yeah, that. It's a long fucking <laughs> yeah, season. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, they, and they only play the 38 year. games as well. They don't play 160 games like baseball. 38. So they play one a week. Uh basically, but there's other competitions too. So they play in competitions against other European teams. Gotcha. Uh, they have cup competitions. So I actually know play, this yeah. because JJ Watt is a part owner. He is. He's a part owner of Burnley. Yeah, um, who are absolutely terrible this season. Right. So right. He was on Pat McAfee show today talking about. I guess they play in some sort of like weird uh, Burnley FC. Yes, <laughs> they, they play in some weird friendly match today where there's a trophy. It's not a friendly. It's uh, it's the League Cup. It's basically there's two cup competitions within England. There's one for all the teams, which is the FA Cup. So like hundreds of teams will start out in it. It gets whittled down to a champion. And then there's one for basically only the professional team. So it starts with like 90 teams mm. and then gets whittled down. That's the one that's happening today that Burnley are playing in. Okay, well, whatever it is, it has a weird name. That's like very it's, nice. It's called the Carabao Cup because it's sponsored by a company called Carabao that makes energy drinks. <laughs> oh, so, no, no. He called it something else. He called it like, maybe they were memeing on it. I don't know. Probably. Uh, Probably. But it sounded something like the Handshake Cup or I, I don't remember. He, that's definitely not a thing. No, no, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not recalling what he said exactly, but it was, some, it was something along the lines where my mind went to, oh, like this is just a, a friendly scrimmage of sorts. What is, yeah. so friendlies are just you play other teams and Friend, it doesn't mean anything friendlies are literally games that are basically only done for the teams to mm -hmm. like keep their fitness like so, it's a so scrimmage yeah the soccer yeah. hooligans won't they won't beat yeah. you up so that's why they call them friendlies <laughs> <laughs> yeah for the most part that's kind of true honestly um <laughs> wow. yeah, friendlies just, are just uh it, meaningless basically they're just like yeah. just chill games where you play against other teams that you don't really try but you kind of try a little bit yeah it's it's get teams for players to get the fitness for teams to you know, get ready for the season. Like they don't happen during it's a, the season. It's basically like preseason. Yeah, it's basically preseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Games in the NFL. Um, it's, yeah. That's pretty much exactly what it is. I feel Speaking like, of soccer, by the yeah. way, shout out to Conrad's costume from yesterday. Yeah, yes. I, I saw that. And I could not believe that Conrad even knew who this guy was. Colombian <laughs> <laughs> goalkeeper like from him. the 1990s. He, he does, and I, but I never saw it before because this guy is so obscure. <laughs> and but now I saw Conrad in that costume. I was like, that is that is Conrad. El that, Loco is Conrad. The only reason he knows him is because every time he posts in one of his chats, someone else just post the picture yeah I, I, I saw that yeah <laughs> by the way this guy uh the absolute most insane uh sportsman you can think of he his, the most famous thing in his career was what a legend i mean this, you guys basically have the same exact hair that's true yeah yeah most fa yeah that is the most famous yeah, thing in his scorpion. career that looks England like Conrad. versus columbia wembley stadium in front of tens wow. of thousands of people in 1995 he just randomly for absolutely no reason decides that instead of catching the ball he's gonna do that <laughs> Wait, you said jump up, do a front flip. Like you said 1995? Something like that. This guy said so this guy's, oh, I thought he was a current player. No, 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 it's from a long time ago. Wait, wait, is there footage of the scorpion? <laughs> yeah, there's, there, I mean, absolutely. If you if you I, Google scorpion kick on YouTube, I yeah, need to this see is it. This is it. And there it is. This is it. Look at this. Look at this insanity. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Hi, my Why name is Why did you need to do that? <laughs> 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 He's fucking 
fucking cheese in two. Look how guys. happy. <laughs> like, what? Why? Guys. Wait, where is this? Like, what was this in? That uh, is just, amazing. It was, I don't think it was a meaningful game. I think it was a friendly game okay. between that England and Colombia. Like, but like, is... there's tens of thousands of people in that stadium. Like, if the... you fuck that up, it is immortalized forever. What I want to know is, Conrad, why did you not do that on the podcast yesterday? <laughs> I didn't have a soccer ball. I was going to try, but listen. Um... I think that's my dad. <laughs> I think I've been lied to my whole life. Half right. Norwegian, half Colombian. I think that's my dad. I mean, that would have been really strong in like the World Cup, bro. Just pulls out the scorpion. Yeah, it would have been. You know what's funny about him as well is he's a goalkeeper, but I, I was looking at his Wikipedia this morning because I just remembered him when Conrad's costume. Uh, he scored more than 40 goals in his career that's as a goalkeeper. As a goalkeeper? As a goalkeeper. I mean, averaged about a goal every that, 10 that games. That sounds like if Conrad played goalie. Hold on, hold on, yeah. hold on. We have similar stats because when I was like nine, yeah. I played goalie and I scored at least twice a game. There you go. Dude, he's your dad. <laughs> he's actually your dad. He's just your dad. Yeah. yeah. He's got the that's goalkeeper, that. crazy goalkeeper DNA. He's just your dad. We found out who your dad was on the podcast. I, that's insane. I've been, I've been lied to. I thought I was black this whole time. I think El Loco just needs to be conrad's nickname from now on well the funniest shit about it i didn't know about his nickname yeah right and i was made an app name and it was called el loco oh that's great it really was and then literally i find out this guy's name the next day wow. and i was like wait what mm -hmm. <laughs> do you even remember his real name or like you I, just... I didn't know him at all yeah at this renee higita is his real name okay. but el loco is much more fun i will mm -hmm. say you you seem to uh embody his playing style that's, I imagine if ever there's somebody with enough fancy play syndrome to do the scorpion. It's true. Yeah, it's got to be you. The way the it's way true. Rennie he gets to play his goalkeeper is the way Conrad plays poker for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with all those all, all those uh, float bets and yeah, floating. Conrad's floating. Conrad's the man who keeps the term floating alive. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 guys! I'm just out here on my boat. <laughs> <laughs> I float my boat. Uh, did you get any trick or treaters yesterday? No, actually, I, I thought I would. Like, we live in a neighborhood with quite a few kids. Like, there's kids that live next door to us. We got zero. It was really mm. weird. Yeah, um, I, I wonder what the, like, policy of trick-or-treating is in Vegas in general. So Don't let the kids in your house. <laughs> yeah, of course. Come on in, kids. Do not invite the kids in your house. <laughs> They've been very weirded out by seeing Sven answer the door. Um, so for our little community, it's probably, I don't know, a dozen houses or so, but, like, you know, pretty well-off houses. But it's also like pocketed uh, between a major throughway on Buffalo and then nothing, mm -hmm. right? So it's like there's – I didn't realize it until I kept running into the coyotes, but there's a lot of un undeveloped desert around where I live. So it's not really a fruitful place to go trick-or-treating because you can hit those dozen houses – but then you have to drive to another neighborhood. Also, you might just get attacked by a coyote. Or, yeah, this, you know? this is apparently a thing. Like, you know, you might just get stalked by a, a pack of coyotes. But um, so what I think they do is similar to what I mentioned West Leechburg used to do at the fire hall. There's a big, a, a massive Christian church across the street from us. Does everybody go there? Uh, and on Thursday of this past week, so I guess like five days before Halloween or so, uh, the entire... Um, Congregation? No, the entire <laughs> the entire uh, street of uh, what's what's north of Wigwam? Um, uh, Robindale? No, 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 way too far. the oh. The one street that that's above it, Win, windmill, oh, windmill, windmill. So the entire block of windmill uh, between Buffalo and like our our road, which is War War Bonnet. You're really um, just doxing yourself. Yeah, right? I mean, like, anybody want to come like, over? I don't care. Definitely, yeah. if you went back like through the episodes, you could piece together exactly. <laughs> All you have to do is like Google me. That's probably true. We listed the house. 
Um, but the house is gone. Stay away. <laughs> the, the entire the, this entire block the house is just gone. This entire block is just like blockaded by police. So I think there's like a murder scene going on because like usually that's the way I, I drive out to to go places, gym, whatever. Uh, and I had to turn around and go the opposite way. I had to go south instead. Uh, and as I was coming up Buffalo, I could like kind of see it was all for this church having some sort of like Halloween festival for the local kids. It wasn't for the naked guy that stole the cop car? No, did no, you, that did, happened. Did he, <laughs> what happened? He, he beat up, the, this guy was naked. He beat up a patrolman and stole his car. That was out on Blue Diamond, I think. No way. That's what I, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I'm, I think that's they what They apprehended him? Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know. That hopefully. seemed to be the, the end result uh, mm -hmm. from the little bit I watched. I that, didn't actually watch the video. That is a new way of saying rocking out my cock out. Yeah. <laughs> you just know that cop is never going to live that down. How could you? Yeah. <laughs> he's How done. Could, honestly, like, there's a, there's a greater chance that he's no longer on the force than, like, a cop who beats the shit out of somebody oh, yeah, unjustifiably sure. so. If he, if he killed somebody, he'd still be there. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. just, like, two-week suspension. But, like, you get your ass kicked by a naked dude and he steals your car? Like, that's <laughs> it. That's that's uh, that's. Terms for termination. Yeah, at the very least, he cost the cops the cost of the car. Like they lost the car, they had to get it back. You know, they, yeah. yeah. He's well, cost I think it's on Las Vegas locally's uh, Twitter. If you, you know, where we get all of our yeah. Las Vegas yeah, news. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yes. Very unlike. Yes. Uh, honestly, why does the news even exist out here with Twitter accounts like Las Vegas? Is, I don't know. It is oh, very true that everyone just goes to Las Vegas locally for the mm -hmm. for all the stuff that's important. Well, if anything crazy happens, they post it. Yeah. Right. First. Anything yeah. in the city that's like here it is. Yeah. Just. That's the cop. The cop is like <laughs> trying so hard, and yeah, and he's go just took. It wasn't what? just a cop car; it was a cop van. Where? He stole a van. Oh my god, yeah, that's, that's giant on van. the corner. Yeah, that's literally Blue Down Diamond on and the corner. Cimarron, uh, Cimarron, 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 yeah. 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 That's hilarious. <laughs> got me. Yeah, I think Joe Volpe said that to me, and uh, he, 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 was, he was saying this one. Like, the, they landed, we're vibing. <laughs> the funny part is, I want to know where he drove that into. Not far. No, not I can't far, because there's a neighborhood here, and then there's nothing but coyotes here. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah he, I don't think he made it very far. He's, go, he's going to Coyote Town. If he was smart, <laughs> he would have went right through the set. Anyway, full circle, what this means is that Third. kids don't trick-or-treat in our area, which... Uh, which there was none, right? None. But wow. I, I, I think it's by design. Uh, I don't think we have trick-or-treating. None we got by absolutely <laughs> destroyed. Started at 6 p.m. They just um, came? Yeah, and I was out of candy by like... Oh, no. Honestly, like by like, I don't know, 7, 7.30. No. And I bought nearly $100 worth of candy. Also... Maybe it's anecdotal evidence, but they definitely like the Reese's Cups. Because like, yeah. I had like no a smorgasbord, and I was like, guys, go ahead and just pick two of anything you want. All the cups, uh, the cups all go. Two cups were gone yeah, the cups like go, bro. Wow, bro. Nobody's going to pick the dumb dumbs. Bro got, bro got $100 worth of candy, but because he said pick two of whatever you mm -hmm. want, mm -hmm. you went from having candy till 10 p.m. to maybe lasting to... 730 and then, then he was just the like, creepy guy handing out nickels because yeah what did you do when the kid showed up you said like i got nothing like no 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 you just close shop <laughs> yeah. you turn off the lights turn off the lights like, yeah. you go in the house the lights are off like, in somebody's yeah. home when i lived in Prin <laughs> when i lived in princeville it was a gated community like very wealthy golf neighborhood or whatever mm -hmm. uh and the kids would come and trick-or-treat and it was you know kind of understood you keep your lights on whatever and the problem was is that scout is just like she gets set off by people you know by anything so we started like year one year two she was still a pup she was like maybe two at that point and we tried to 
you know, welcome the kids. And she would get very anxious, but Gatsby, you know, big <sighs> kind of, you know, whatever. They pet the big dumb dog and the little <laughs> ones yapping in the back. <laughs> it just got to be way too much. Uh, and like, it was clear we just couldn't do it. So Dan loved Halloween for whatever reason. Like he just, you know what it was? He's spooky Dan. He, no, he is, he is <laughs> as bad, if not worse than me at heart when it comes to being a fat kid. Mm. He would just get high and eat candy for like a week on end. <laughs> And nothing made him happier than the day after Thanksgiving, or sorry, uh, the day after Valentine's Day or the day after Halloween, because all the candy would go on sale. Mm-hmm. All of the 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 pumpkin candy, the heart shaped candy corn was candy limitless. Mm-hmm. It's all seventy five percent off, and he would just go get super high. And just buy all of Walgreens candy. I mean, Sharpstrat is saving it and then reselling it. Yeah, well, you're right. You're not wrong. Turn so, profit. So yeah. by like year three, we were like, we can't do this. We can't keep having people come to the door. So we just put, uh, you know, like a mannequin outside holding a bowl and said, take one. And it's like, bro, this is... <laughs> if you want to find out how devious human beings are whenever you just like... Uh, give them the decision of fair equality mm-hmm. versus maximizing EV. I was such a piece of shit kid, man. Like, I keep saying this again. I took a woven basket from a house. It's a take one. I took, took a basket. Ba- took the whole basket. I, took right. the, I feel like shit. If I knew how to give the basket back to this uh, family. Truly. Like, thinking back on it, uh, you know, because you can kind of just like watch it unfold. Uh, it would be like the first couple trick or treaters. They would, you know, the the abide, and maybe they'd take two and or whatever. Fa- sometimes a family member is there yeah. too, so like they're watching. Right. It's like don't and, be a piece of shit kid. And, and also, it's like there's literally like twelve pounds of candy. They're not they're not that absurd. But as the, as it starts to get a little lower, and now it's like only three pounds of candy. It's feast or famine. Four pounds of candy. Just a group of kids would come up and they'd just be like, yeah, <laughs> and then would close shop. Dude, and I, go. Why shut they, off the lights? Why did I take the basket, man? Yeah, the basket's a bold strategy. Yo, how much money is Poker Stars giving? Uh, is, how much are they giving Stapes? Because this guy's handing out like full <laughs> bars. Wow, <laughs> you know you're doing okay respect. if you can do that. Absolute respect. Yeah, he's got the cool house. Uh, gotta tell you, this is even crazier. I mean, that's a lot of fucking candy, and it's full bars, and it's unmonitored. Yeah. yeah. I mean. The amount of laziness that we put into Halloween <laughs> and the willingness that we have to Whoa. just get got and be okay with it, it's insane. Oh, look at the little look, boy. Look at the nudie boy. But, he gave out honestly, some Honestly, though, how it would be fun as like just if Stapes had a camera to kind of see. Yeah, like just a human experiment. Yep, just human experiment. You just leave that all there and you see what happens. Like at first, like people come up, they take one, this, that, whatever. And then, well, because at some point people realize that no one else is going to be there. It's like 1 a.m., and there's still some candy left. It's like, if I take, I, I'm going to take all of it. Bro, 1 a.m. trick-or-treating's for two hours. It's like six to eight. Depends how, yeah. it depends if you're in like, honestly, middle school, like high school, like fresh, like middle school era was like, man, I'm, wow. It was my actually. First girl I actually liked that I didn't know and met only from trick or like Halloween, like outside of school. W Riz. No, I had negative Riz then. Yeah, but I mean like. No, know, I remember. Trick-or-treating and meeting a girl, that's strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it was a good time. But that was like middle school, high school. But then at some point it stops. And you're like the cool kids and like went to parties and shit. And I stayed home and played video games. Sure. I've always wanted to do like a haunted house. What, you know. Like you, your house be one? Yeah. What did yeah, I say yeah. about not bringing the kids? Well, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> hey, 
you want to come inside? We have cake. That's the thing. In order to do a proper haunted house, you actually have to live in a neighborhood where you get to know all the kids right. and the neighbors. Yeah, 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 and yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to go through all that no, rigmarole. No. I can you only know? imagine like Perkins house. Right. Candy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. You probably take nine. Yeah. yeah. He might just have like it's a full especially pie. more suspicious right. when you're like in your 40s and single, you know. <laughs> So yeah. I think you particularly mm-hmm. both shouldn't do it. There's yeah. a lot of people yeah. and dogs. Honestly, the haunting part is Scout barking at them. Perkins' house probably just has baskets. It probably just says, take one basket. <laughs> yeah. I probably should take a basket from there. Hey, Guapo, happy uh, Day of the Dead. Oh, thank you, sir. Do uh, <clears throat> your family celebrate? My mom is going to... Um, it's a park where they do all these altars. I just can't think of it right now. But So it's very traditional to make uh, altars for Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, lots of sugar skulls, lots of candy. Nice. Should be fun. Love it. Wait a minute. So does that mean it's now officially Christmas season? No. Yeah, yeah it's Christmas. Merry no, Christmas, but, everyone. But Nikki's... Uh, That's why I have red one today. <laughs> I'm just like, it's Christmas time. Nikki's skit that she posted on Instagram was very, very funny. That was funny. It was hilarious. Yes, it was, yes quite a throwback if you guys haven't seen it uh i think you can check it out on her youtube page instagram as well yeah instagram. nikki was funny before poker <laughs> just sucked the life out of her yeah she's funny now but less funny yeah, she was very unlucky. funny yesterday she was very funny yesterday she, she did very based very good landing very based landing we were going through props as to what <laughs> i mean I think we all should have dressed up as Landon. That would have been fucking hilarious. You we said nothing. We all, I said yeah. before you just said this. I said we. I told Nikki we all, all should dress up as Matt. Right. It'd be funnier to do it to you. I would take it as a compliment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa was really good. Me. She was. Yeah. <laughs> the best part is like you never do that. Like I ever. Know. No, I meant not. to wear that hoodie today too, and I forgot. Oh, I was, I was gonna just, Wait, like, did you know in. that she had it? I gave her that hoodie. Just oh, cause you just I or, so the the backstory to this. I gave Brian. I got one too. I gave Brian one also. Yep. Uh, that Under Armour hoodie. There's a red one and a blue one, and I ordered both. Nice hoodie. It's a very nice hoodie. So the first time I ordered both, I got the blue one in a proper size, and the red one came in small. I was like, well, god damn it, I can't do anything with this, and I'm certainly not going to send it back. No. Like I just know me, it's not happening. Right. So I'm going to eat the thirty bucks and give a gift. So I asked Melissa if she wants it. She's like, oh, yeah, pump cover. Let's go. You know, <laughs> pump cover. That, that's my Melissa. I think it was pretty accurate. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I give it to her and then I want to reorder the red one. So I put in an order to Under Armour, ordering just the red one in a large. And what do I get? Another fucking blue one. <laughs> oh, and I was the beneficiary. So I gave that one to Lamanna because I'm obviously not going to send it back. Yeah. And to this day, I don't fucking have the red hoodie. <laughs> I like that hoodie. I feel cool in it. Yeah. yeah real yeah. cool. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it kind of does count as Christmas time. Like, I wouldn't be, if someone, if I heard like Christmas music, I'd be like, you know what? This makes sense. I feel like I'm back in my 30s, <sighs> it's no, bro. Like, it's November. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's, bro, that's, that's what Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is. Thanksgiving and F1 racing like, and the NAPT, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's what November mm-hmm. is. Yeah, you for. need to chill on right. the Christmas shit. Relax. Like, we got cornucopias. We, you know, we have a rich history of the the pilgrims and the natives settling on breaking bread. Shout, shout, out, to, shout out to Squanto. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to John Smith and, and fucking Pocahontas. Uh, Pocahontas. Yeah, handshake. Yeah. Squanto, doing... I don't think it's Squanto. It's Sacagawea. No, Squanto is different. There's two different ones. Oh, okay. Sacagawea is different too. Who's Squanto? Uh, it was the I think na- tribe like chief. Is that Geronimo? Uh-huh. Not Geronimo. Mm, great song. 
Great Man. song. No, I'm saying this all encapsulates like the so, holiday cheer. It's the holiday so, season. As soon as October comes around, then you know you have holidays. You know, it's month. funny it's you bring that up, Brian. Season. It is the holiday season, and because it's the holiday season, we here at the Only Friends Pod and Solve for Why we're in a very giving mood. So for the next two weeks, we're running a pre-Black Friday sale. For anybody who isn't currently a member of SolveForY.io, you can go ahead and get the first two months for $19.99. That's 60% off, usually $49.99. Uh, free to cancel anytime. All you have to do is use the code ONLYFRIENDS at sign up at SolveForY.io. And you're going to get a lot of treats. Uh, we have a brand new course out today by Andrew Brokus. I believe it's called floating the turn. No, that's a lie. It's not called that. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, it's called uh, combating. combating cold calls. Yeah. So for those series, of you who play we'll the live game. We'll be talking about playing uh, you know, as the pre-flop raiser against the player who calls your raise in position. I think a lot of people handle this situation pretty badly. What happens if your opponent bets after you check? How do you respond to that? When do you call? When do you raise? Think about all the possible turn cards and how many of them you're going to feel good about continuing to barrel. You want to know either I have a hand that I can feel good about putting a lot of money in or I very obviously do not have the best hand and I can either bluff with it or fold it. For those of you who routinely play at the Jewel of the South That's or right. any of the other <laughs> one, three, two, five games. We're just going to keep this, this game uh, going for South oh, Point. Yeah. Love oh, the Jewel God, of yeah. the South. Uh, <laughs> the, this, this course by Andrew Brokus is certainly for you. A uh, lot of calling in maybe disincentivized positions, a lot of cold calling of three bets, things of that nature. Uh, Brokus put out a six-part course here that will outline how to combat about being out of position versus preflop callers, uh, being monkey in the middle in multi-way spots, et cetera, et cetera. So go ahead and check that out if you haven't already. Uh, again, you can go ahead and take advantage of the discount using signup code ONLYFRIENDS at solveforyacademy.io. I'm pumped for that one, for sure. Of course right? you are. Uh, on, no, like, it's funny that you say, like, you know, South Point stuff. That situation comes up so often yeah it's just you're that just course is basically in the muck right it's you're just out of position and you're the you're the razor and what do you do do i see bet do i not what are the boards so i'll be diving into that one quick call sure. back to christmas hey Lamana, are we doing um secret santa this year uh, i think so only friends secret santa that sounds fun it does mm -hmm. sound fun yeah. Yeah, last year was good yeah I don't remember last year. I actually have last all. year's gift on. Wow, you don't remember? Right? Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't remember because Conrad uh, gave me a fucking oh, he gave jump you, gift. He, he, no, no, no. He gave you uh, medium-sized t-shirts. And? Yeah. And he kept large them. large-sized t-shirts. And, and? and then they were in there and I got them. No, but what else did you give him? That's it. No, you got him a scratch off for the Steelers win the Super Bowl. You, oh, gave yeah. him, you got him a parlay ticket. You gave him oh, a yeah. futures ticket. Yeah, that's yeah. right. The futures ticket was yeah. nice. Berkey got me a blowtorch and I've successfully managed to go mm. almost an entire year without burning the house down. So. Nice. Good. <sighs> Brian, Brian was my gift because Michelle got it. Oh, pancake the ring mix. Light, the ring light. Pancake mix and ring, ring light. Oh, yeah. Michelle got me pancake mix for birthday. It was ring light for mm -hmm. more selfies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I took your selfies ring light. For streaming. Yeah, for I'm streaming. Yeah. Wait, okay, Land keep going. Twitch.com slash Landon Tyson. Yeah, but it's not September anymore. Don't sub. It's not 30% off. <laughs> um, what did, who else was involved? Melissa, she got. Yeah, what'd she get? Uh, she, she got, got a soundboard. She got me a trimmer. She got me an edge trimmer. For yeah, she got him an edge trimmer and Andre got. Andre got her a soundboard for for streaming and then uh, we made him take use that hedge trimmer to trim the hedges outside she <laughs> actually got you a hedge trimmer no yeah, <laughs> you don't remember that we, no. sh we showed a picture of it uh, yeah, true. 
I'm not even gonna fight against this one. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that that should no, be. No, she of got fun. me a UFC hat, man. Yeah, That's she right. She got me a UFC hat, but we rolled with the we whole... rolled with head <laughs> because she actually didn't bring your gift. Well, no, she was in no, New York. Right? No, 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 joke, she, man. Nope, she was here. It just didn't come on time. I oh, remember I this very, very well. It, All right, it should ship you the. Yeah, the she hat. gave you a picture of the hat. Gotcha. Which you've then turned into a hedge trimmer. She wasn't going to get him a hedge trimmer. She obviously already has one. Respect. <laughs> I respect the Just joke. like knives. You don't only need one. Oh, man. I yeah. should come work with Hugo. <laughs> Honestly. I think we'd work well together. Yeah, of course. All he does is upcharge me. Every single week, he pulls me aside and he's like, hey, Berkey. Um, if I don't see him oh, at your man. place, I see him at Andre's. For an extra 100 I'll do laundry. I'm like, yeah, no, I, I understand. I have somebody doing my laundry. Thanks, Hugo. I appreciate it. Yeah, but you have roommates. <laughs> <laughs> they want their laundry done? I'm hey, like, man, he's hustling. You got to do what you got to do. But, I mean, he's been cleaning my house for six years, and every <laughs> week he has a new thing that he's willing to do. It's always something to do around the house, right? It's a hustle. That is true. That is true. Respect to Hugo, man. He's the best. He... He's really good. They're really good at their job. It's always clean. Every time I leave my room a mess. The easiest way to know that they are the absolute best at what they do is I'm so willing to overpay. <laughs> like I talk to everybody else. They're like, yeah, we have cleaners come to our house uh, once every other week. Pay like 250. I'm like, oh, I pay 600. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even flinch at it. See, now I know why he has that nice truck. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I bought it. <laughs> that was a really nice truck. It is. When he first started cleaning our place it was in princeville we were we had a 5500 square foot house and he was charging us 250 every other week now my house is like 75 percent that size and 600 bucks every two weeks inflation baby inflation inflation it's true he has like five Man. people come over with him now Actually, he came he came here to clean the office the other day as i was leaving he goes big crew today berkey big crew today they're just like <laughs> pouring in deep. <laughs> the office did look good though yeah they got done in like an they hour they did use the uh, blanket wrapped up for tvs for the cot bed <laughs> yeah that's true the moving blanket <laughs> you gotta make do <laughs> it's fine by me all right uh let's let's get into a little strategy chat today now i think that this one may take a bit of a turn in the early portion so i'm gonna i'm gonna bite my tongue i'm gonna let the linguist hash this one out a little yeah. bit uh you know we'll, we'll hear from landon and lamana but i got questions hunt i got a lot of questions okay, okay. well i think i'm gonna agree with you on most of I, I i think you will too yeah. and i'm happy to have you speak for me to be quite honest because i can't take any more strays okay i'm just getting shot up over here a little bit more succinct than you as well that that's also true uh <laughs> but I, I get shot up over here whenever it comes to two and three syllable words so you know i'm gonna try to refrain but well, floats only one syllable you might be good there well i don't like the word <laughs> well spoiler alert you know. so that's a bit of a problem <laughs> All right, so uh, today we're going to talk about floating, and I think we're we're going to go with this prior to actually getting into full blown strat, or maybe uh, adjacent to getting into full blown strat, is talking about you know a lot of other terminology that was maybe invented pre solver that kind of hasn't found its way out yet. Um, it's you're gonna it's broken, but do they, do the best you they can. They broke it in my nose. <laughs> yeah, we I, I got to. I got to get a wrench. Now I got to get a wrench and tighten her down. Um, but yeah, just do the best you can. Uh, so in in the meantime, um, I want to like talk about, let's start with floating, but let's get into some of these other terms that were maybe like pre-solve that used to serve a bit of a purpose, 
that I think have kind of become antiquated and, and relatively useless. Yeah. Uh, so what is floating and how does it apply strategically? So I think the, the way that floating has been used over the, I, I guess, probably 10 to 15 years that it's kind of existed as a, as a thing that people talk about, is people talk about it to mean calling with a weak hand with the intent to bluff later. And in reality, what we now know through solvers is that there are plenty of spots where you're supposed to call with weak hands, or at least you're supposed to call with a certain amount of equity. You're supposed to call with hands that have certain properties to the point where we no longer perceive that there's this idea of you're calling purely with the intent to bluff later, because sometimes you're going to bluff later if the right card comes off, but you're not going to bluff on other cards. Or sometimes you're, you're just calling because you understand that a certain hand is part of what a good calling range looks like in, in that spot. So the more we understand what good calling ranges look like through solvers, particularly against small bets, but also against bigger bets, the more we just understand that there's, no, there's not really any spot where we're calling purely with the intent to bluff the latest street and floating just kind of falls away as a useful term uh, and it's just not really very productive anymore did floating become like um a byproduct of uh c-betting because like yeah c-betting so. became a thing right mm -hmm. and then what did everyone do see over c-bet and we yeah. just c-bet everything mm -hmm. right so now it's just like well if they're c-betting their entire range on every board now i can float and and then when they, you know, when they had the weak portion of the range, they'll check and I can, I can take it away. Yeah. I think that was kind of how it was born. I think you're right. I think yeah. that uh, it, in order to, to have the term float exist, we needed to have this pre-existing term of seabedding, which was like a strategy unto itself back in the day when we thought that like, you know, just range seabedding was like the best thing, like the Barry Greenstein approach or whatever, just like seabed 100% on every single board. Now... You know the next <clears throat> the next level beyond that excuse me is people started to recognize the potential exploit is just stop folding so much mm -hmm. and occasionally call with weak hands with the intent to bluff but now of course we know that it's not just about calling with hands that are randomly going to decide to bluff it's it's about calling with a range of hands that has the right kind of equity that that has the ability to bluff on the right kinds of turn cards and also has backdoors and, and all sorts of things like that. As somebody who was uh, very, very laggy my entire career and... Was. Well, is, whatever. <laughs> I was going to yeah, say. I mean, he's refined you, you, now. Well, the yeah, thing is, okay. it's, like, it's hard to be laggy now because... That's true. It's the, actually really hard without just being bad. Or, or just being good because uh, like the solver in a lot of spots is just kind of mimicking what the early oh, yeah. lag I guess, figured out. I guess out. I mean, like, it's hard to be, like, more aggro oh, than what you're correct. supposed to be without ending up spewing. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, solver strategy now kind of uh, actually just, like, confirms the laggy bias from back in the day. Yeah. Especially given the imbalance between people who just played, like, way too tight, way too passively. Um, but coming from that sort of mindset where the way that I understood the game or the lens through which I saw it, was just kind of reverse engineering how I could fuck with people. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's where the term floating uh, became incredibly applicable. So, like, you know, even though I'm taking the stance of, like, I think it's an old antiquated term that isn't very useful now, uh, it's something that I did a lot of back in the day, and I would speak about it 
when telling a hand history. So I decide to float, right? Now, what I would have defined that as back then would have been something that was a nothing hand. Whether it was ace high, king high, you know, just a high card call. Um, you know, calling with king queen on a six high board when you're facing a C bet, that type of stuff. This is this is all things, or these are all things that were certainly a big part of my game, particularly when playing weak op uh, opposition, right? You would feel the sense that if they didn't have a strong holding, they would just shut down turn, and you got to take it away with like a half pot bet at a really, really high frequency. So it was a strategy in and of itself that kind of was predicated on your opposition being weak. You didn't float good players. You just didn't, right? Right, they can put you in tough spots. Yeah, they just don't shut down as often. Uh, the, the notion is that you're calling because you expect to be checked to at an incredibly high frequency mm -hmm. through which you win the pot, not through a bet, yeah. right? So it's kind of like uh, flipping the C-bet on its head where now you become the aggressor on the turn at a really high frequency. Yeah, and... I guess like real quick preface and why like lag works and still works today for call it most of the people that you know and see play poker are extremely aggressive. Not very many people are call it check. They're not check calling their way to victory anymore. Right. Um, it's just because of not just like the natural imbalance of human nature. That's like an extra part of it. But it is so tough to play the defensive part of the game in theory that in practice it makes it even tougher. Like you'll see spots where you need to call it float wider than you actually think you should in a practical sense, but in theory sense, very it's almost trivial. Mm. But people figured it out back in the day, whether they had a plan or not, the plan was to find a way to win. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's true. Uh, now, I think we're a lot more calculated, even at the, the most base levels. And that's why I kind of have a problem with this term. Uh, you know, if, if you ask me what I would use instead of this, it's simply calling. I would just call. Like, like call and call CBET. Yeah. I mean, you know, we don't have to get fancy about the labels, but it's it, the, the notion of floating was very particular to a subset of your range that good players did not believe should continue. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, <laughs> that's not how we use the term any longer. Float bet was fantasy land. Yeah. Right. Like you yeah. had extra cards. You're like, oh, like, I don't believe this nonsense. I'm going to wait for him to check. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of. I float you. But the thing was, is that if you look back. <laughs> if, float. But right. But if you look back on it, 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 though it was a street poker term, the hands that were being called are just good. Yeah, no, that's, exactly. Right. Most of the time they were just good. Yeah, hands. it just proved to be good hands to call with. I like, think what's primarily happened is we've shifted from what we used to have, which is this idea of aggression being like this optional additional thing you know this like there's literally aggression frequency right like w winning pots without a made hand was this thing that like good players are really good at but until you get really good it's like optional now <laughs> we understand that that's completely the inverse of of how the game really works and that aggression is is mandatory aggression is something that you you need to have as a baseline there's like a baseline level of aggression that you just will not be able to win unless you have that and we've we've gotten to the point where we no longer see it as like some exceptional thing to call the flop with a fairly weak hand because we recognize that we need to have bluffs on later streets we recognize that we need to have hands that are not just always gonna have a pair like we can't afford to just never not have a pair when we call a flop bet right so we've we've just evolved and the game's flipped on its head to where we no longer see these these things is optional. It's just part I, of I think strategy. it's really important too because uh, the notion of floating means that you're quote unquote calling with a hand that has low equity. Mm -hmm. I would challenge 
anybody who still uses that term to define to me what hands have low equity, right? Because there are going to be situations where your ace high call is going to be 40 percent mm -hmm. right there are going to be situations where like your gut shot and over are going to be like 45 50 percent equity it's it's going to be board <laughs> dependent it's going to be showdown value of the hand dependent you can't just say that like we're bucketing this term to mean that you called with five high mm -hmm. yeah right? five five six of spades on an ace king uh, Jack all hearts. Right, <laughs> right. Like, it's like, I know he's going to check. Now that's a float. <laughs> right, but like that shit just doesn't happen. And if it does, you're just bad. Yeah. So like right. creating a term that encompasses bad play mm -hmm. seems ludicrous to me. Now that's not to dismiss that the term once had impact. It was important at one point because we didn't understand how equity divided. We didn't understand. Like, we saw the game very much more black and white because we didn't have uh the the granular look at things the way we do now through the solver so we just saw like showdown value meaning pairs largely mm -hmm. right and we saw equity meaning draws like clear draws that complete on the turn right not just a backdoor mm -hmm. right not just an overcard we didn't see overcards as draws right yeah, and, but and like they truly are what's also kind of interesting is that it we also didn't it didn't used to be very common to see bets bigger than Sorry, bet, bet smaller than half pot. Correct, yeah. Like, people just used to bet half pot, two-thirds pot, like, as standard. Mm -hmm. So, in a weird way, we only started to really have usefulness for a term like floating. Once people got to the point where they were starting to bet small enough that now those backdoor hands and stuff actually did have a decent option to call. Right. Because in the past, if you were... I mean, even now, like if you're calling like random backdoors and you're calling hands like that against like half pot, two thirds pot, a lot of the time you're actually punting. And so it, in a weird way, because people didn't used to bet small, it was kind of correct to not float. And we didn't really need that term until we got to the point where now, you know, if you're facing quarter pot, like you really should have a lot of hands that are not that strong that are continuing. It's you know? so funny because when you look at poker, like even in a video game sense, you realize that every couple years there's like patch notes, right? Where mm -hmm. way back when no one bet small because people thought betting small did nothing. It was weak. Yeah. It didn't do mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. for you. And mm -hmm. now we're at the point like we've moved so far from like call it patch note 0.0, .0 to like 10 point what the fuck ever where, okay, now you have these small bets. Now you have these turn leads. Now you have like these call it polar spots, this, that, whatever. And it's only going to get tougher to improve as things go on. Right. And it's like when, when, when people get better at playing against a certain line, it's like a certain thing gets nerfed. You know, right, like, exactly. Like small betting got nerfed in like 2018 <laughs> when it was like people know how to respond to it now. And so you have to do something different. And eventually yeah. like big betting is going to get nerfed as well because people are going to have the understanding of how to how to defend flops. Against well, it big won't bets, be it won't right be that big like bets get strong. nerfed. It'll be that the single sizing strategy gets nerfed. Potentially. Right? Because like that's probably Possibly, the next evolution. But like that it's really hard for that to happen. Like, it's like you know how hard it is to play against a one size strat, anyways. That's yeah. like perfectly like well executed one size strat. Yeah, it's fucking tough, man. And the like the EV loss of using one size versus two is not going to be that. You can make the argument of if playing two sizes is extremely difficult as is, but you can play one size really well. Like it makes well, it easier uh, for the person to play as the strategist. Let, let me rephrase versus uh, the responder. Let, let me rephrase maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm too many steps ahead. It's not so much that a single sizing strategy will get nerfed. It's that uh, a single size range bet size, or sorry, a single size range bet 
will get nerfed the same way that the oh I, yeah i think range betting's already nerfed yeah because like, like that's that's kind of what i'm arriving at is yeah. that like whether you're executing one size two strides or whatever but if you're mixing it with check you're still effectively executing a two sizing strategy it's just a zero percent pot bet yeah versus, I, see what, I see what you mean yeah right yeah i think you range, still have range betting is like already dead almost. yeah like yeah, i mean yeah. obviously in certain spots like it's just good because well it's really good for you but for the most part there's a lot of spots where if you just range bet range bet quarter pot like people just kind of know a decent response like they yeah. just intuitively especially when it. you're out of position <sighs> right. man yeah i mean there's lot, not a lot of spots that. to range bet out of position i so. think the skill part of the skill game nowadays is trying to understand what bet size causes indifference from what you're trying to target and then trying to have a predictive sense of how you think your opponent's going to react yeah mm -hmm. completely agree like, because uh we, we talked about this in the, in the muck segment i think on monday when you weren't here um that that is that is solely where people who are trying to get better should be putting their emphasis right is what portion of my opponent's range does this bet make indifferent because that helps you encapsulate how the equity hierarchy works and it helps you understand how the range will fluidly move forward if you know that third pair becomes indifferent to the size that you chose well what you also know in the inverse is that second pair and better will now continue and now when the board texture alters in a way that improves or harms second pair and better, your target moves, right? When second pair de deteriorates because of the turn card, you understand that and you have something to shoot choose. at. Yeah, you have, you, you have a target to shoot at now with a certain size. When second pair improves, now you understand that like, okay, well, their nuts have shifted. Top pair has gotten a little bit weaker, but second pair, which they have way more of, has gotten a lot stronger. So I might be capped at a certain size. Right. People are much more willing to go out on limbs and use heuristics that they've learned in order to play more aggressively. Mm -hmm. Good example being lead spots yep. after check call, check call and polar line in polar lines, where it's like, oh, I called second pair and he's never overbetting second pair and then it paired on the river. Right. He's gonna check a ton. Uh, or he, he didn't check it back a ton, so I have to be aggressive. Right. Right. Spots like this where once it took me the longest time to get in my brain, like what indifference actually met, meant and why it was good. Right. In the sense of you don't give your opponent a positive EV decision in one way or the other. Like an easy decision. Yeah. Right? Simple, right. Simply stated. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like if you fold too much, you're losing. If you call too much, you're losing. Right. Not, oh, I want to make this part fold because if you give them an easy fold, that's not a tough decision. And you're not making money in that right. spot. You're winning the pot more, which is call it like nice, like ego nice, but you're not actually making the best decision. Right. Yeah. And I think people also lose sight of the fact that indifference is also about with their strongish hands that are definitely not folding, they have, you have to make them indifferent between calling and raising. And I think that's, that's really relevant for a lot of spots too, where the like let's say for example small bets on the flop part of the reason why small bets are good is not necessarily uh because people have hands that are marginal between calling and folding it's also because when you bet small they're supposed to raise quite a lot of like medium strong hands that are going for kind of thin value and they're not sure necessarily where the threshold is of what hands they are supposed to raise for value and when you go bigger in some cases, that's fine. Obviously, there's plenty of cases where that's good. But there's also a lot of cases where when you go bigger, it's a lot easier for them to just take like obvious bluffs and obvious value and raise that without making life easier for you. So that's kind of another part of indifference that people really don't pay enough attention to, I think.
All right, so let's let's dig in a little bit more to some of the poker vernacular because I think that uh, you know coming from somebody who's been uh, attempting to educate for the better part of seven years and has gotten a fair amount of blowback for um, using too specific of terminology. Uh, I think that we're finally arriving at a point where the field is kind of catching up a bit and are a lot more accepting of technical terms um, as opposed to a lot of these rudimentary terms that we may have developed pre-solves. And I think it's important to talk a little bit about this because there's still a lot of stuff caught in the wash, right? So, um, you know, when when we were coming up with run of a show, two two terms were thrown out <laughs> that have absolutely no correlation to one another. Um, but in newbie land, where like you're just starting to get your feet wet in strategy, fingers uh, wet. Yeah, you'll <laughs> good callback. Uh, you'll hear a lot of these things thrown around, right? So floating is one of them, right? But floating isn't a technical term at all. This is just like a streaming term that we'll use very casually as people who have been in the space for a long period of time, and it dates back to pre-solve. Uh, something like probe betting is much newer. It's much more solver-derived, right? This is a, a technical term that, though it's jargon, uh, has a very specific meaning. Uh, what... What exactly does pro betting mean? Because for me personally, this isn't something that I ever really used or worried about until I started studying heads like what up. What does the term pro bet mean? Correct. Yeah, it just means you bet after check check. Yeah, so pro probing is betting out of position on the turn after the flop goes check check. Right. That's how all the manager and poker tracker define specifically a pro. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt Hunt versus PT4 is the... <laughs> no, I mean, like, no, I, I'm not, I don't want to go on a rant about PT4, but like the... <laughs> The thing about software is that because all of the tracking software is going to have to define everything mathematically, but they have to represent it in an easy to digest way on the screen, quite a lot of the time PT4 and Holder Manager are forced to sort of create simple definitions for stuff that's very specific. So you end up with stuff like ProBet being used to describe that kind of that kind of situation and you have to find words yeah right like once you and this is this is what like honestly you, you i could talk for a long time about how <laughs> this works in real life because finding words for stuff that comes up that's new is a thing that we do in every area of of life like gaslighting but, what's that like gaslighting like yeah, just coming up with terms like, and not even that just like technological stuff like when we when we invent something new we have to find a name for it and it's mm -hmm. it's that's literally what happens in poker that when we either whether it's it's solver technology or it's HUD technology, tracking technology that that exists, that comes up with new stuff. If it's mathematically defined, if it's if it's like a, a thing that has a very specific definition that, <laughs> that needs to be applied in practice, we need a word that can describe it because as human beings, we communicate in a way that's efficient and we don't want to have to use an entire sentence if we can find one word that might do the trick. Like bussin. For real, for real. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure why that was the word that came to mind first of all for you, but yeah. Um, oh, you don't know Landon very well. <laughs> um, it's also sus. To, 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 to kind of like add on to that though, um, probe does come from something, right? It still, it, it still does have like uh, pre-solver roots. This was the bet to find out where you're at. See, that's oh, what right. I thought. Yeah. So exactly. like, when you say probing, like I think in a lot of people that don't, haven't worked a ton with solvers or, mm -hmm. or really in depth with it, when they hear probing, 
exactly what right. you said. That's yeah, why like, I personally well, dismissed to it. find out where I'm at. It's something that I dismissed until I started to work with Heads Up. And now once you start to work with Heads Up, you have all these categories, right? Once <sighs> so you get the Heads Up strategy, you need to learn sub-strategies for all these categories. So you need to know what your probe, uh, what your turn probe sizes are, what your river probe sizes are. And these have an implication behind them. You have, it's that you check to that point in the tree. You, have, you guys have no idea how much fun it was to watch Matt play the solve in a bunch of different nodes <laughs> and know, like, kind of have a good idea what the answer was and to see him like hover and hover and wait to click a button. And as soon as he clicks the button, it's like, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> Honestly, it was like my favorite thing to train for. So the way that I personally learn is through negative reinforcement. Like, just, oh. I do really well with negative reinforcement and very poorly with positive. If, if I get positive reinforcement, I'm very very dismissive. I think right? this I just, is why I, you like your tax person so much. Probably. Yeah. She's also excellent. <laughs> um, but when I get positive reinforcement, I just I just bucket it to something that I know. It's like, oh, okay, well, I got that right, so I know it. Right? So when I was working with the trainer, if I was like 60% confident in an answer, I would go with the 40% decision. Right? Because I, I'm not confident enough to know that I know it. And if I get it right off of that 60%, I'm going to look past it. So I would very often be choosing between like the most aggressive and then like a hedge. Wow. And I would choose the most aggressive like purposefully, even if I knew it was like only 33% likely or probability to be right. <laughs> and Landon would be over overseeing me like over my shoulder. And I'd be like, come on, man, <laughs> you can't bet that hand. And I'm like, I know, I know. But like, I wanted to fuck around and find out. Yeah. So you're, like, you're like preemptively sort of almost like, Forcing the solver to give you negative feedback. Yes. Mm -hmm. So to hold yourself back. Yeah, because then what would it force? Well, it wasn't to hold me back. It would force me to dive into the spot more. So I would I would acknowledge that I was between two, de two decisions. Yeah. And though I chose the one that I thought was more likely to be incorrect, I wasn't so confident that uh, I could dismiss this decision altogether. It's so then it would force me into the node to study the spot, see if there was any fun like fundamental. Uh, reason behind my thinking, like where the threshold actually lied, how far off I was from it, things like that. What happens when you, uh, very sharp. you you choose the one you think is incorrect and it ends up being correct? I would still look because <laughs> I had such low confidence. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You have no idea the amount of times it would hover between like fold and call, and then like you'd slowly see the mouse button move to the raise. And I'm like, you definitely don't get to do any of that. The best of the best too is like he'd play some people heads up for practice sometimes, like WSOP.com or whatever. And we would see, like, in real time, hands that he played where it wasn't about the negative feedback. This is, like, in-game mm. actual stuff where it's not about, like, you're playing for dollars, like, playing quarter 50 or whatever the fuck it was, or 10, 20. And they'd be like, okay, call. Okay, call. And it's like, raise pot and a half. <laughs> no, like, you don't get the raise pot and a half. I've, in the I've had that before with students where, like, I've done experiments where they've, like, recorded themselves playing online and sent me footage so we can analyze it and it'll it'll be really funny sometimes because there'll be a spot where it's like okay this, you know you we can see you're playing this hand on one table like you're thinking about calling or whatever and you can see the mouse hover over like the raise or like hover over the option that is definitely not the right option and i'll have to stop and go like why were you thinking about raising that you should mm -hmm. never have hovered <laughs> over the raise button in this spot yeah. so it seems like it's the, the same best thing part is when matt made a decision and like you just sometimes you just play so many hands you're just like you're they're like, not now, Chief, I'm in the fucking zone. And then you look at a spot, and it's very clear a hand should take a decision, but it took a complete opposite one. It's like, why'd you do that? And it's like, I, I, don't, even, I don't even know. Like, I, I, mean, I just tried to find out. Because well, like, the way that I learned the game was very 
hands-on, right? So like I didn't have the option to go look up an answer in the back of the book. And the way that my mind kind of unpacks things is that if I have low confidence in a decision being correct, then I'm just going to default to the aggressive one. So if I have like 30, 30% confidence that call is correct, 30% confidence that fold is correct, and 20 that raise is correct, or I, I, sorry, 40, the 40. like, yeah, I gave too much credence to raise though. Like if it's, <laughs> if it's like 40, 40, 20, raise 1%, right? If it's like 40% call, 40% fold, that's my level of confidence in each of them. I'm, I'm not confident enough in either. So I'll just go to raise, right? Because it's at least aggressive. And I feel like if I'm going to make errors that I can then go back and look on, it'll be right. the aggressive version. And earlier in my career, it was the opposite. Ooh, it, it, was, it was call. It was just always call. Always call and find out because that's how you get the most amount of information. Right? right so you get like, to see their cards whether you win or lose. Right, you pay the price. You raise, you might fold and be like, oh, was he bluffing? Exactly. Or did I get him to fold a good hand? I don't know. Exactly, exactly. And also, like, just in you know, the early 2000s, raising was like very risky. Where like calling didn't feel nearly as risky. The patch notes didn't have raising in it. Correct. <laughs> so it was a, it was a gradual evolution of understanding that like you just can't win by folding Call, for sure. Calling river bets was nerfed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Eventually, so money calling like, river bets. Right, eventually, like oh, these motherfuckers is, don't bluff. <laughs> Dude, I had a spot in the. Oh my god, it's just it, I I need to say it because it just I just need to. Are you in the muck? In about the muck. This? I, I am actually. Wow. Uh, so it was in the venom. It was the venom day one. Uh, doing well, we're cooking. Uh, we get ace deuce on queen deuce deuce versus big blind. Uh, check. We go small. He calls. Turn is a queen. He checks. Uh, I go b75. He calls. River is a low card, or it's a jack. Sorry. Uh, he checks. I'm like, okay. I need to bet bet 50% because he still has pocket threes, pocket fours, like a bunch of ace highs. I still have to call and flush draw misses. I have very cheap bluffs here, so I bet half pot and get raised small. And I just like take my headphones. I was like. I'm not someone that reacts that much anymore. I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, he always has a queen. He just always has a queen. He always has a fucking queen. But I know I know where the bluffs come from, and it's easy to project to other people when you know and you're the aggressive kind of guy. Final like, board is queen, deuce, deuce, queen, jack. Yes. Okay. It's like, okay, you know, pocket threes might have to bluff here, pocket fours. You want to have diamonds because I'm not going to bluff with them, right? You kind of know where it comes from. And I click the button. I'm like, oh, it's such a good fucking price. And then I see a queen, and I just do ten. I just do ten push-ups. I, I just can't. I just can't fucking take it. I'm in my room stewing. Like they always have a queen. They always have a fucking queen. What am I doing? Why? Like, why do I give credit? This guy actually made FT of the Venom, which is yeah. today. Like, congrats to bro, whoever the fuck you are. Uh, but it was like how the, I literally Bali, was like this. Congratulations, I, big shout out. I have these same headphones in my room. I just go like this. I just go. He always has a queen. Like he always. <laughs> <laughs> It's mad because I start talking with Ewan about it and I'm just like, how do they always have a queen? And he's like, fucking relax. I'm like, I need to go do anything that's not look at poker in these five minutes. Yeah. I do that every single time I make a river call at the South Point. You just do push-ups? <laughs> no, but in my head, I'm doing, they always have it. Like, why would I ever think you bluff? I, you I just, ever bluff in this I spot? just no. knew I would be stewing if I didn't do any sort of yeah. like, like for me, like catharsis form is like physical activity or writing. So it's like, okay, I just, I can't sit here and accept, I can't accept this right now. Yeah. And like, you can hear from my room sometimes. I'm probably just like screaming at my monitor. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to acknowledge any of the noises that come out of that fucking room. <laughs> it's like how every single time in these nodes, but like, I know how. It's just like part of the mental game of accepting it is what it is. <laughs> where... <laughs> It's, what in, is that? In, it's he's just, simming. He's simming. simming. It's uh, just 
there are certain nodes, right? And this is something that I truly believe. There are certain nodes in the game tree that are worth a ton and you lose a ton. Right? Yeah. Like calling this river raise node might be losing infinite. Yeah. Even though it's top of my range. It's just really right? hard board to find bluffs. Not, not, not even to find, but really hard boards for people to pull triggers with. Right, to yeah. execute. Yeah. And that's the big difference between solve and practice, where yep. solve is like, okay, I have pocket threes, I can't win, or like, I have missed flush draw, and he's not going to bluff with these cards. I'm going to bluff with it now and make him fold, uh, call it ja like, uh, call it kings, right? Because kings, after you bet and then get raised, you're beating nothing. Um, but sitting here with ace, queen is top, like, you start getting in your brain, like, this is the top of my range, like, I, I, I can't... I can't fathom folding this hand because I have so much worse and I know what this bet looks like. Yep. And when you're playing against good opponents, it's so easy to say, okay, they have the bluffs here. Uh, or they might. And also cue the new fear of like, maybe he's just call it uh, wizarding in real time. It's like, maybe he's just too good. And if I start folding now, I'm the idiot. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like for the viewers to bring this back full circle to like what's more applicable. Man, I never thought I'd be in the muck. I'm in the muck, man. <laughs> We should have been prepped. Um, Gets I, everybody once I, in a while. That's right. It was just ridiculous. It was the most insane thing I've ever seen. We all have waiters, buddy. We all have waiters for the muck. Um, the game is gone. Oh, man. That just gave me a brilliant idea. Guys, stay tuned for merch coming soon. Uh, <laughs> we got one on the way. Um, <laughs> we but, being you right now. Just, in this did moment. you just use the game's gone meme? Yeah. <laughs> did you get that from Pads and, and Esper as well? Yeah. yeah like, it'll, just, it'll, it'll just be like uh, like open cold call, cold call, three vet, cold call, cold call, cold call. And Patrick goes to be like, the game is gone. Because the game, <laughs> game's gone is a soccer meme of football <laughs> meme as well. It's, uh, it's what people them, say when they're complaining about something that something new that's happening in the game that makes it worse than something before. They'll just say, the game's meta. gone, the game's gone. The, the, game's, the game is the not The patch notes be, updated. You know? Right, yeah. But like, that's a that's a meme that you're getting from British people specifically. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I love, I love having a fucking uh, line to them because I just learned so much more about meme cultures and... We, we appreciate the worldly culture, but uh, for people who are like <laughs> out in the streets and, uh, you know, kind of dealing in these spots, the, the, the big thing is, is that the reason why this could be an absolute torch and why it's very difficult to be making money is because it's, it's, a, it's a foregone conclusion that the value will always find the raise, right? It's not like a board texture, like, you know, king high run out where ace king sometimes doesn't find that value raise on the end. Like the one pairs don't always find the value raise type of thing. When a guy has a queen here on queen, queen, jack, deuce, deuce, the queen always finds the raise 100% mm -hmm. of the time, right? So the issue becomes then you'll always be up against the value when the value exists. They never miss the value, but very consistently the bluffs will get overlooked they'll shut it down. They'll just give up or they'll make a hero call with the same hands that they should be bluffing with. When the bluffs come from the region that you're also targeting to have call you, uh, most in most practical senses, like live poker, specifically small stakes and things like that, you can just drastically overfold. Yeah. Terribly overfold. My, my like my heuristic for this is like if bluffing here would require them to turn a showdown value hand into a bluff yeah they're almost always under bluffing yeah and you can take this all the way to pre-flop if you have two queens and you're facing a cold four bet and you need them to have a hand like jacks or ace king in that range where you know it just very rarely finds it or like mm -hmm. let's say even with ace king you're now making a break even continue just pass 
because they'll never miss the aces and kings there. Right. Never, right. never, never, never. Sometimes. Well, they, uh, yeah, sometimes. But like the right. point is, is like it's not enough. Comparing the ratio of when the it, times when, that, when it does come through, it is the aces and right, the kings. Right. Right. So Compare the ratio of like the aces and kings versus them fucking around. Right. And it's mm-hmm. so minuscule. So, like, ultimately, the way I like to think about these spots is how much money am I making here and how am I making it? Mm-hmm. And if I define the how through they're fucking around too much or they have way too much bottom of range, then the, the am I making money here becomes abundantly clear. Yeah, you, you have to identify it. Right. But if I, if I say, like, am I making money here? And my answer is, like, yes, I have queens. How are you making the money? It's like, uh... Maybe I'm not. Flop mm-hmm. set, feel amazing. Right. So it's like now all of a sudden I can start to reevaluate these situations. And look, I'm not out here advocating for people to start folding top of range. Right. This should be reserved for very rare situations. But it is something that like when facing polar action, I'm starting to get a lot more cognizant of the capabilities of my opposition. And I'm stop. Uh, I, I'm kind of done. Uh you know, projecting onto them that they know where they're supposed to be pulling their bluffs from. It's taken 20 years, but you finally realize that they always have it. No, I've, <laughs> look, I've been on Brokus's train from day fucking one. Hashtag they always have it. That was, that was me forever. What happened was solvers were invented and it ruined my confidence of, of folding monsters. You saw the PCA. I fold a fucking full house. Right. Incorrectly. Yeah. Terribly yeah. incorrectly. <laughs> because you didn't think you could beat a flush. You didn't Correct. think you, you, you just thought, okay, I have shitty full house. He has better full houses and no bluffs. Yeah. I thought insane human being would somehow value a flush here like in a spot where i very clearly well i thought i very clearly had like trips or better yeah. uh and well, you did he just thought you'd call with the trips yeah he had flush. yeah totally it's reasonable. A very unique situation normally you just that's just a good fault. but like honestly though there are a bunch of spots yeah. where after facing x amount of action and it's not even from the oh they always have it spot spot but just in theory where you do get to be indifferent with like bottom boats mm-hmm. where it's like okay their bluffs come from x or it's better for houses mm-hmm. and your hand is indifferent and when it's hard to find the spots there he is <laughs> <laughs> when it, it's hard to find that smile yeah it's getting fired for that <laughs> no, uh, i deserved it man it's like the sick part of me, like I'd rather have jammed the ace deuce and try to get him to fold a queen, repping queen jack, because I just thought his size wasn't queen jack, and versus calling it. Like that is ridiculous. Yeah, that's I'd ridiculous. rather just use like ace jack what? if I had it. What the fuck is up with people I buy action from making the most ridiculous folds ever? Who, who you? I had five percent of you in that. You had five percent of me on I that. I had five percent of you in that, and then. Lang in the um, the PPC. Yeah, if you swap with me, you win. If you sell to Conrad, you do something really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. My that does sound God. about right. Um, you didn't have a piece of me in the PPC, did you? That's why, or the PSPC. That's why I went deep. No, I did. We swapped. Oh, we did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, did fine. have the Queen Ten hand. Wow. Yep, Queen Ten hand. Oh, right, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that was bad. Worry. That was not good. That was, that was Conrad's fault. <laughs> it's all my fault. <laughs> yeah. I'll take full the game is gone. It. The game, the is, game gone. is gone, mate. 
we, we, <laughs> we're getting to root cause analysis here on air, and Conrad is the common denominator <laughs> in all of these situations. Everybody just punts when I have a beast. All right, so we're doing a last longer for NAPT, and definitely not swaps. That's very clearly abundance how versus scarcity. Right. <laughs> let's let's fucking go. Uh, all right, I want to I want to bring this conversation a little bit more for more for full circle. Um, and just kind of like wrap on uh, kind of the evolutionary or the evolution of terminology. So we spoke a little bit about floating. We spoke a little bit about pro bets and a lot of these are derived from HUDs, um, but a lot of them do preface solvers even being introduced to the space, right? Like probe was clearly something that we defined as betting to see where we were at. Floating was something that was clearly defined as calling with hands that, you know, your peers wouldn't approve of with the intention of taking away later. All of that, we're, we're past all of that though, right? Like now we have a clear uh, path forward in being able to identify what hands are supposed to bet um, and for what reasons, right? So we don't need to bet to see where we're at, so to speak. Instead, we're betting with a purpose and that purpose is either for equity realization's sake, uh, for um, you know value or for attacking a certain portion of our opponent's range that we hope to fold. Um, let's talk a little bit about the... You know, you spoke a little bit about when when language doesn't exist previously, uh, specifically with math, trying to convert math into English. Uh, we like to borrow terms and jargon uh, elsewhere. And this is something that, uh, you know, I think is incredibly helpful to the space and something that, you know, whenever it comes to onboarding people and, and trying to help them further their careers that I lean on pretty heavily. Uh, I think poker is a very technical game. It's rooted in math. I think it only makes sense to look to spaces that are adjacent, such as uh, economics or uh, you know the, the the basic sciences, and start to borrow some terms from there. Goffer is putting the definition of <laughs> he's, elasticity he's prefacing, on the screen. Yeah, he's prefacing here. It's really good one though, and it's really really important that you know it because there's some spots that knowing that a range is or is not elastic. Yeah. So talk talk to me from a linguistic standpoint. Uh, for those who don't know, this is what Hunt's degree was in. Uh, you know, he studied uh, language throughout college, and uh, this is kind of his area of expertise outside of poker. So. Talk to me a little bit about how we should go about borrowing these terms or if it makes more sense to just develop our own in-house jargon that doesn't seem so uppity as using terms like elasticity or inelasticity. Well, there's a, okay, so there's a thing in linguistics called communicative competence, which basically means that the, the most important thing in language is being understood, right? So if a... If basically, if you're if the person you're talking to understands what you're saying and what you mean, then it then by definition over time that way of communicating will basically become the default. And if the inverse is true, if the person doesn't understand, then that will not become like a commonly used method of communication. So. What it comes down to is the terms that will be used or should be used are the ones which are the most easily understood in an accurate way. And as a result, you know, creating your own terminology or, or manufacturing terminology is only useful if you have some way of making sure that it actually gets across the intended message because it's very easy for certain things to be misinterpreted. And in the end, uh, if you create a term and it's successful in getting the message across or that the person understands what you mean by that, 
you're you're great you're you're fine but you have to be able to check that that's what's happening you have to especially if you're teaching you have to have a way to say to the person okay what do you understand by this when i say this and you you know you can easily if you don't do that you can get to a point where you use a term and somebody doesn't understand it and before by the time you get to the point where you know they they do understand it you've already used it so much that it's it's like ingrained a bad habit into them or something like that so it's it, really all about understanding in most industries do you think that this generally happens at at the top down like academia kind of sets the vernacular for the space and then gets widely adapted based off of those who are either uh studying within the space or paying close attention as far as like what makes sense or do you think that it's more of a bottom-up approach where um you know the people who are in the social sphere kind of set the vernacular and it's on the academia to kind of adapt it honestly it uh it's almost always bottom up mm -hmm. um it Almost every top-down attempt to manage language or institute language that says, this is the word that we're all going to use for this, the only time that ever works is when it's the word that people would have used anyway. Mm -hmm. Other than that, it's bottom-up. It's, it's the efficiency of communication uh, that dictates everything. And if people start using a word to mean something, and this happens a lot with American English. Like mm -hmm. American English does a lot of like taking a word that um, that doesn't necessarily mean exactly what you're using it to mean. Like the word, the word literally. Yep. Over time, <laughs> the the dictionary definition of literally now includes the opposite of literally. It's kind of like reverse flow. Yeah. yeah. In the dictionary, it says <laughs> I literally, literally died. Right. In the dictionary, it says that literally doesn't always mean literally. Yes. So, you know, because people have, have exaggerated so much using the word literally, the meaning of the word has changed. We know some people like to exaggerate in this room. Yeah. But it, it's, it's not so much that someone from the top down said, okay, you're going to use literally this way from now on. It's that it's, it's a question of millions of people and the way that they use the word changing over time that the definition of the word has changed so but it's, the technical it's always bottom up the, the technical definition of literally remains the same right like that's more speaking to uh like social culture and uh our our use of hyperbole and sarcasm and things like that um which, there's no uh, difference though that's the thing like there's no on. there's no difference in how language works from a from a technical perspective like if something doesn't have if, if there's something that that has a practical application like a sort of mass usage let's say and then it also has a technical application among academics if the academics set a certain word to to describe something and amongst themselves they use that word um if if the uh sort of popular description is different then that will that will take precedence over time like yeah you, i guess my point with literally is that like you would never write the word literally and mean it uh mean it like sarcastically or or, or with hyperbole because I think like, you need the tone like, like you need the intonation yeah like awesome order. awesome is probably a a, a good yeah example, that's another one right yeah. because like awesome just means good now where mm -hmm. like the 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 literal definition of it is not right good. yeah um and and context context definitely matters uh you know and, and words are applied differently in written language compared to in spoken right, language right. You know, there's there's all sorts of factors related to that but the the, I guess the, the main thing that I'm, I'm getting across is that if you are a, if you're an academic in a certain space or if we as, as poker 
academics, so to speak, as coaches want a word to be used in a certain way, then we, we have a certain ability to communicate to people, this is what we mean when we say this. And over time, it is possible for that to become the, the sort of accepted definition. Yeah. But it will only become that accepted definition if our way of describing or our way of using this term is actually the most efficient way of communicating that understanding. If somebody else comes up with a more efficient way of conveying that concept to everybody, then over time, the nature of language will mean that that more efficient term will take precedence because language doesn't really allow for inefficiency. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really yeah. allow for a term to be suboptimal in how it conveys a concept. Yeah, I mean, like, when it comes to float, it really is nonsense and it can just be used as like called flatbed. And that's why it's disappearing, right? Like it's disappearing because it is the least uh, or it is a less... Uh, Lesser form. Less accurate. It's a less uh, complete term than any, any other description you might use for, for that concept of calling a bet with the intent to do a certain thing on a later stream. I, like it's, it's disappearing. I actually... Uh, I want to push back a little bit there because I think the biggest reason that it's disappearing is that poker and some other more technical spaces um, like lifting or uh, health and wellness kind of comes to mind. These spaces are uh, largely populated by people that you would qualify as academia mm -hmm. also being the greatest social presence, right? Like uh, for a long time when it came to weight training and performance and things like that, there was bro science and then there were uh academia but it's bro really science so based well it's really starting it's because like the bro science were like the early influencers right but it's really starting to flip now you see guys like huberman you see uh you guys like chris williamson all these people who are like the head of uh or at the top of uh social presence they're flipping it very much into a much more technical space where we're getting away from the bro science and you're you're kind of looked down upon if you use those bro sciencey type terms and i think poker is very similar in that regard guys like pads guys like galfond um you know all of the streamers they're so much more technical in nature they're very good they're winning at the highest levels what ends up happening is their vernacular leaks out and they start slapping people on the hand who say things like float because it makes you sound like an amateur. Um, right. So it's like, I, no, like the high, like not even high brow, it's just like highest level guys don't use this term anymore. Exactly. It's, right. it's, if you're good, you don't say terms like float and it's not necessarily, it is because of the inefficiencies, mm -hmm. but I guess in this particular instance, it's not being sussed out from the bottom because the bottom doesn't recognize the inefficiencies. Right. The only time people ever use float now is when they use it literally as like a meme of like, like, of like I literally floated this hand because I knew that he was going to track turn. I think, right? yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I just think that when, if you looked at instead of people that are in the poker community that are maybe like pros or winning players and you expanded that yeah. outward yeah. to everybody that plays poker on a regular basis i think they use float a lot including people who are not winning right yep, yep, yep. now i think you get to the point where that term is used a lot yeah because people the 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 bottom rung of the ladder of poker understands what that term means right quite accurately and i think it's a byproduct of again always influence right like yeah. this came from books that we were reading in the 90s and early 2000s mm -hmm. they just threw that term around loosely like right. you could go back and read dozens of card player magazine articles where floating was going to be uh, a prime topic and i guess uh what 
you know, we're kind of getting there the long way, but what I'm kind of asking is like, how much responsibility do we have to honoring that bottom rung that still speaks with these antiquated terms that truly don't mean anything versus kind of trying to say, uh, I understand where you're coming. Like for me, it's always about not trying to come off as pretentious or pompous or highbrow and just being very precise in language, because I think that it's important in a mathematically driven realm to get points across with words that truly have meaning, Mm -hmm. you know, like elasticity just has meaning. It has an economic meaning, uh, outside of the poker space and it's very clearly defined i think the people the issue that most have is that you're turning the call it art of the gamble into a science bro <laughs> and people don't and people like the, the people that are going to be the most mad at you about it are going to be mad at you about it because they want it to be the art of the gamble Look, and not science i'm i'm in their camp buddy <laughs> i fucking lose the solvers lose the nerd chat like strip it all away and poker, let's get back to just like wits and wages poker player matt berkey and training site matt berkey are two different they're literally the duality of, yeah. of man <laughs> duality of the duality of man the same guy that says yep. inelasticity and driving equity is the same guy that says get all of this stuff out of the fucking game the game <laughs> needs to go back to being gone it's the duality of matt that's yeah, what it is. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. actually just me and Hunt on uh, each of my shoulders. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. There's a part of me. It's like, man, I, I just, I just want to end it. I just want to end it all, man. No more so, sight. Well, I'm so just kind of go, to go back to your question, though, in yeah. terms of responsibility as coaches. <laughs> I think it really just comes down to um, if you're if you're teaching, you want to be understood, and you want to have a methodology to do that. And in the if you're going to have an ongoing teaching process. It benefits you to clarify what a certain word means as much as possible early yeah. on so that you can then use that word again later on and people will know what it means. Yeah. If you don't have an ongoing teaching process and someone is coming across you for the first time or they aren't you know, being taught by you on a consistent basis, it's very easy for somebody to come across a word that they don't get or that, that they don't right. understand. And I think that the disconnect happens when you are like as a, as a public figure, as a public person who's putting stuff out on Twitter and things like that, um, it's very easy for someone who's never actually been to the academy, never watched one of your videos, et cetera, never heard these terms explained to come across a term and think, I don't know what that means. He's trying to be super pretentious. He's trying to be, you know, like highbrow or something. It's, the, the it's, is, it's the opposite. Well, the irony, yeah, because I'm not making anything up. I hear these terms elsewhere. Like, <laughs> I didn't come up with indifference. Right, but the lowest, the lowest rung <laughs> right, of the I people understand. that consumes your content who maybe watch the podcast and nothing else, mm-hmm. if they do hear that word, it's very possible that they've heard it from multiple people. They've just never heard anybody actually explain it. Yeah, you know that's I mean? very true. Yeah, and I think that it's easy for us to take a lot for granted. Like, <laughs> when I say the word indifference, it never even dawns on me that I need to explain what that means because it's 2023 and we've been dealing with solver outputs for six years now. Yeah, see, that's that's where I think you lose a big... For sure. Like, the, low, the lower for rung sure. of the audience. I for think sure. there's it's- a lot of people, probably a lot of people watching this that aren't accustomed to talking about indifference in a strategic right. sense in poker. It's like, I guess, using like integrals in math. And it's like, oh, math's been around forever. It's like, this is a high, like, this is a high term. It's still worth a ton when you get to advanced math. But if you take poker to the advanced sense, it's important. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. Uh, and the, the funny part is, you're the guy that's literally to tell people if you don't think they're winning a poker to stop playing poker. 
You're the same guy, right? You're in the sense of like, hey, like, no, I don't think this is a good idea. Or just like, gamble. Like, I'm, I'm all for everyone gambling. Like, sure. if you, if you don't think you're winning at poker, but you enjoy it, fucking go. There's a difference between poker nuts. as a gamble and poker as a job, and most people should keep poker as a gamble. But serious hobby, and it's fun. Like, why ruin it? Why ruin yeah. your fun? I, I think there's a lot of overlap. Um, but yeah, I mean, neither here nor there. I'm not trying to make this about like the way that I approach language within the space or anything. Why are you scorned? Uh, I, I'm more so trying to, <laughs> I, I'm, I guess I'm more so trying to uh, speak on behalf of the audience in the sense of when, like, I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm not going to just readopt float. Like, I'm sorry. It's if like, this is the Stop cross trying to make fetch cool. It's yeah, not like, cool. If this is the cross I have to bear <laughs> in explaining to everybody why float is a stupid term, then like, I'll happily be the sense? asshole. Uh, but w at, at the end of the day, what I'm trying to speak on behalf of is the audience who has been conditioned into these terms, you know, like yeah. Nikki wrote this run of show. She's certainly not uneducated when it comes to, to, to poker or anything on those lines. But, uh, this is a particular term that, you know, I probably haven't used in the better part of seven years, six years, something like that. Not in a, I, like a study sense. Right. But she just started studying within the last two years. And it's a term that has made it into her vernacular. Right. It's like, oh, That's not float, an accident. Oh, what does float right. bet mean? Yeah, right. You don't just randomly pick up float bet out of nowhere. You don't have an insight. You don't have an epiphany. But you, know, you know what though? Is anybody who still uses float, we can refer them to this podcast for an explanation of why they shouldn't use it. And then over time, float will disappear even more. There that, you go. That's the cross I bear. I want float to go away. This go. is what it's all for. The entire company is just to make float bets disappear. That's right. the, the, the biggest irony of all is that nobody floated more in the, the early 2000s. Than you. Than yeah. 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 Hashtag end float. Yeah, let's do it. End float. Sven says. Sven says. Float is we need dead. To have a Sven, Sven doesn't float. We need That's to have a Sven says segment. I think we do. I think I mean, Sven's never it. used the word float. His name, you know what it means. Sven, yes. just, Sven just calls and then fucks you up. In at my at country, some point, we're going to have an actual Scandinavian person on this podcast, and they're going to tell us how deeply offended they are by all the Sven. It'll be Espen. Right here. Yeah. It'll be Espen. And he will oh, have yeah, of course. Uh, no, I, oh, Conrad I, doesn't count. I, you, can I, can, can I count as Sven as Norwegian? No. And neither you nor Conrad count as anything. We, Speak for yourself. You, Conrad, and Espen together Scorpion for a Norwegian yeah. podcast. Espen can count, and Why? Espen very calmly will come in and say, "Yeah, in our country, <laughs> we don't exactly talk like this, but you're not wrong. We take all the EV and all the money out of the prize pool to go to the Bahamas." <laughs> And played the five K W S. Okay, so the whole Sven thing started. <laughs> just to give a little backstory, real quick, before we get out of here, we're already but, getting played out. So yeah, it's quick. fine. The whole backstory to Sven was GG announced that they were going to start running day ones. Yeah, for I remember the that. W okay, what they did, what they worked into the fine print was that they were going to pay for the people who made it to day two to travel to the Bahamas and stay in the cove and take all of that money out of the guaranteed prize pool. Yeah, I remember that too. Okay, so basically what I was saying is from the average player's perspective, they don't fucking want Sven there on a free roll right, okay. out of their guaranteed prize pool and, uh, you know, just ruining the whole event for everybody. And it's, it's a meme, obviously, and it's kind of a, a tip of the cap to the Northern Europeans and uh, the other Euros that are putting in all the fucking work are just goddamn killers mm. you know the average american wreck who's gonna travel from miami to the bahamas to play a soft 5k doesn't want to sit against the scar a scarfed euro right. <laughs> it's just it's just the nuts and bolts of it you know yeah. maybe it's a little xenophobic i'm sorry but like you know fuck you sven 
Yeah. Wow, so fuck Sweden is the new message from, from It's uh, not necessarily Swedish. Well, Sven that's, is a Swedish name. That's fine. Yeah. Swedish it represents adjacent. a bigger culture yeah. of Euros crushing poker. Some, some of the other Taking Scandinavians are going to have a problem a compliment. with Sweden being used to represent all of them because I'm pretty sure there's at least some beef between the different Scandinavian countries. Here's the thing I just don't have a name on deck that's going to represent another country better than Sven. Dude, yeah. It's so good because wherever. there's someone in poker who's a streamer and his like, Twitter name is Sven Calls. <laughs> His name is Sven. That's great. Shout Lord. out to Sven's we'll have, calls. We'll have Sven on here one day. They're they're chanting free Sven in the free, in the chat. Free Sven. Uh, that's gonna do it for us. Hunt, thank you as always for joining us today. We Happy appreciate you. Uh, we're gonna be back again tomorrow at noon. Don't forget, we are doing a lot of. Uh, just high value stuff for you guys in the near future. Brokus's course is out today. Uh, a new season of Poker Out Loud is going to get launched on Cyber Monday. We are going to be doing a Black Friday sale as well. Currently, we're doing a pre-Black Friday sale for anybody who's not a member. You can get a discounted monthly membership. Just head to uh, solfery.io. Uh, please ignore the price of the Academy currently. Lamana's Fat Fingers put an extra zero in there. And it, <laughs> it is not 35000 What? Yeah. Yep. May 23rd, <laughs> May 25th, 35 racks. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah doing man. all this stuff, come to the Academy, racks in the bank. Respect yeah. to the yeah. racks of high I society. I bet if somebody signed up, you wouldn't have said anything. That's true. Respect, <laughs> to, respect to the little manager for trying to save the country or save company, company in all one fell swoop. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah we're, we're going to go ahead and discount that one for Damn, you Damn, 100 attendees for 35K. 90%. Off. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to do it for us. Uh, we'll be back noon tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you all then. Later, Peace. squad. Peace.